0: This morning, we're celebrating the Feast of the Epiphany and bringing our Christmas celebrations to a close. Approximately 12 days ago, we celebrated the birth of Jesus, and today we celebrate the arrival of the Magi. And This arrival often feels like something of an afterthought. Maybe you slept in last Sunday, good choice, no judgment from me, and now you show up at church again and you think, I guess it's technically Christmas. But the story of the Magi is no less significant than the arrival of Jesus himself. In fact, it takes that story and puts it in a whole new light. To understand why, consider the word epiphany itself. When you have an epiphany, it's not just because you learned a new fact, it's not just because you learned something new, it's because you made a connection between two seemingly unrelated points of information. An epiphany is a realization, a moment of recognition, a flash of illumination, where some new piece of knowledge changes how we see the world. The world makes more sense, feels more coherent, presents itself more openly than it did before. For example, when you read the ending of a mystery or done whodunit, like an Agatha Christie novel or something, and you find out who the culprit is, The first thing you want to do is go back to the beginning and make sure the whole story still fits together. Part of what makes a good mystery good is it's exciting even when you know the ending because you notice things you didn't see before. But if you got to the end of the book and the culprit turned out to be a character who had never been mentioned up to that point in the book, you wouldn't say, well, what an epiphany I had. You'd say, that's a really dumb ending to the book. Because it doesn't connect things in any meaningful way. So, what's the epiphany in the epiphany story? Well, think about how Matthew begins his gospel. At first glance, Matthew has the worst beginning of any of the gospels. John has the word became flesh, Luke has the dedication to Theophilus, the lover of God, Mark has the startling arrival of Jesus by the Jordan. Matthew begins his gospel with a 300-word genealogy of Jesus' ancestors. And our tendency is to say, well, this looks pretty boring, let's get to the nativity stuff. But if you skip that, you miss part of what makes the epiphany story so interesting. That genealogy of Jesus begins, the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Son of David and son of Abraham are Matthew's flashing lights, can't-miss-it way of saying that Jesus is Jewish. And calling Jesus the Messiah is also a Jewish thing. The Messiah is whoever would defeat the Roman Empire and restore Israel to its rightful place. The Messiah doesn't have to be divine, but the Messiah does have to be Jewish. So Matthew's Christmas story begins as a sort of in-house Jewish drama. Joseph and Mary are Jewish. Their son is Jewish. The title he's going to get is a Jewish title. If you're not Jewish, it seems like this whole thing is really none of your concern. Until the Magi show up. The Magi come from the East and are, by any reasonable reader's interpretation, not Jewish. They're probably astronomer types from somewhere in modern-day Iran. But God invites them to come see this new Messiah. So they trek off to see this new Jewish Messiah, even though they are not Jewish and they probably don't know what a Messiah is. These travelers represent the rest of the world. This is one reason why if you look at many crush scenes that are up this time of year, even in the ones with a lily-white Jesus that looks like Archie Bunker painted it, at least one of the Magi will often be depicted as black. And that's because in the early church, the Magi represented Europe, Asia, and Africa, which was for them, the whole world. So who's having the epiphany moment in the story? Well, the Magi are having some kind of moment, but it's really Mary and Joseph who are having this epiphany. And as the people who are reading Matthew's gospel, it's our epiphany too. Because Mary and Joseph, remember, did not invite the Magi to come see the child. God invited them to come see the child. And so when these Magi, these Gentiles, arrive, that's when Mary and Joseph and all of us have an epiphany. That this child, this family, this story we thought was for this particular group of people turns out to be of universal significance. It's a bigger, more diverse, richer story than they thought it was. Scripture is full of other epiphanies like that. We heard another one that Janice read this morning from Isaiah. The section of Isaiah, which is called Third Isaiah, was written after many of the Israelites returned from exile in Babylon. And When they came back to Jerusalem, Jerusalem was in ruins. Like if you ever see pictures of Charleston after the Civil War and everything's just leveled, that's basically what it's like. And so they have these two groups of Israelites, and they have an argument over who are the real Israelites who God believes in. Who does God trust? There's one group that says, well, we were born here. We never went into exile. We never left. We are the real Israelites. And there's this other group of people that say, well, we left. We went into exile. We had the traumatic experience. We are the real center of the community now. But Isaiah says something else. Isaiah says the glory of the Lord isn't just for the returned exiles. It's not just for the people who came back. Isaiah says the glory of the Lord has risen upon you, and nations shall come to your light. Basically, you're both right and you're both wrong. Who is the glory of God for? It's for everyone. You're arguing over who is the center of this community when the real center of the community is God. And of course, we still have those kind of epiphany moments today, too. One of the things that makes doing ministry fun are those moments when people, including me, I have lots of these moments, connect things in new ways and realize that God's story is bigger than we thought it was. In May of this year, a group of us visited the mosque in Midland Park. And someone came up to me the next weekend and they said, You know, I was nervous because most of the stuff I heard about Muslims on the news was really negative. And then I went to the mosque and I talked to the people, and I realized that they're really just like me. On the news, I heard, you know, Muslims are plotting to take over America. And then I went to the mosque, and I learned, you know, Muslims are plotting what to make for dinner this week. That's a kind of epiphany moment. In October of this year, Mimi Confer from St. Paul's in Teaneck visited Advent. She did a little workshop with us. And she was talking about the ways that churches focus on how they're perceived in their communities and whose needs they take seriously. And she said that so often we focus so strongly on the needs of the people in our pews that we miss addressing the needs of people who can't come into our pews for whatever reason. So when you make decisions, you can't just poll the congregation on a Sunday because it's a small group of people. So you have to actually leave the church grounds and talk to your neighbors and community members. And someone came up to me after the presentation and said, you know, when she said that, I thought, of course that's true. But for some reason, I'd never thought of it that way before. That's a kind of epiphany moment, too. My favorite epiphany moment from this year was from one of our members who was watching Disney Plus at home. There's some show, I don't know the details of this exactly, where they take kids with special talents or abilities and make them into Marvel superheroes. In one of the episodes, the one that this person was watching, was about a middle school girl who does a lot of activism around LGBT youth. And at the beginning of the show, the girl's family said they lived in New Jersey, and the person thought, well, that's funny, I live in New Jersey. And then they mentioned that the girl was very involved in her church, and the person thought, well, that's funny. I go to church in New Jersey. And then they panned across the outside of her church, and there was a big sign that said, Holy Counselor Lutheran Church ELCA, which is about 45 minutes from here. And this person thought, oh, they're us. And oh, they're us is probably the most profound epiphany moment that any of us have in life. Those epiphany moments remind us that God's story is bigger than our story. They connect things in ways that feel novel and unexpected, but it doesn't mean epiphany moments are easy. Epiphany moments usually mean acknowledging that we had something wrong. We're glad they happen, but they can also be kind of humbling for us. They make us wonder about what we were doing before we had the epiphany. Like, I'm glad I know I have a lot in common with my Muslim neighbors, but now I'm wondering why I thought I didn't before. Or well, it's good to be reminded we're called to serve the people outside the church as much as the people inside. But now I'm thinking about when I put the needs of our members above the needs of our community. But there's some grace in realizing that we're wrong too. Those epiphany moments have a way of recentering us. They remind us it's always God who comes to us before we can come to God which means that we don't always get a say in who shows up when God arrives. Mary and Joseph probably thought this new child called the Messiah was mostly relevant for Jews like them, until a bunch of astronomers from Iran show up uninvited. Those factions in Israel arguing over who the glory of God was for certainly didn't think it was for anyone outside the city. It wasn't for the nations. But according to Isaiah, that's exactly who the glory of God shines on. So whenever we think that we have a system figured out that can explain everything and everyone, God cracks open the world once again. Arise and shine, Isaiah proclaims, for your light, God's light, and our epiphany has come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.